Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trey Verboom, your host. And if you are a new listener, holy shit, buckle up. If you are a longtime supporter of the podcast, one, I love you, thank you. Two, buckle up. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to give like adult content warnings because we kind of use a lot of bad language in this podcast. Uh, but I'm giving an adult warning podcast in this one because we are touching on some touchy subjects around sexuality in this. I'm bringing in Andy Buru. And Andy is a man who I've actually hired to teach me how to do some rope tying techniques with my partner, Katie. So rope tying, not like I want to make knots out in the woods, but more I want to make knots in the bedroom. Uh, Andy is a professional teacher, guide, dominant, uh, explorer of BDSM, of kink, You know, his opening sentence is that he lives in the gray between Tantra and BDSM. And that is just a fascinating space to be in, a fascinating conversation piece, right? Like we jump around to a couple different points in this conversation. We talk about consent. We talk about pain. We talk about pushing boundaries. We talk about energy. We talk about sex. We talk about compliance. We talk about a lot of stuff. So saddle up for this one. Uh, you might want to take some notes. You want to listen to it a couple of times. You might want to share it with someone that you are intimate with. If this is a curiosity of yours, uh, I have been in the BDSM world for a couple of years now and just find it liberating. Liberating, energizing, inspiring, and fascinating. It is, there is so much more to sexuality than we are ever taught here in the West or even given permission to explore. Uh, But this topic, this community, the kink community has become far more mainstream in the last couple of years. And I think it's done a a wonder for people who have stumbled upon it or found it and are consciously exploring it. So with that said, this episode is brought to you by Zen Squatch. My good buddies over at Zen Squatch are... I hope they know that they're sponsoring this episode. They told me they are giving me carte blanche. That's how cool these guys are. You know, their mission is to help people just crush their lives. Their mission is to help people just like you live a kick-ass life, to be centered, to be grounded, but yet to be in touch with your body, to be physical, and to do so with some humor. Like These are hilarious, hilarious humans. I've created a great relationship with them over the past couple of weeks and months. And I love having them as a sponsor. Love you guys supporting them. Thank you so much for doing that. It means the world to me to see you all in pictures on Instagram and social media, wearing their shirts, tagging them. Please continue to do that. You can go to www.zensquatch.com and use the code uncivilized for a discount. This episode is also brought to you. They might may not know this, but I'm doing it anyway. By the good people of Cured Nutrition. Joe Sheehy, thank you for sponsoring uh, this episode. They Cured Nutrition, if you guys don't know, creates some amazing CBD products. And not like the shitty CBD products you get at 7-Eleven, 
like the high grade, pure quality, really, really amazing stuff. I take it. Katie takes it. A lot of people I know take it. Love Bombs takes it. Uh, go to curednutrition.com forward slash uncivilized and use the code uncivilized again for a discount. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andy Buru. Andy Buru, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. I appreciate you hopping in, man. I've I've wanted to have you on for a number of months now uh, since I, I don't recall who gave me your name, but it was a woman in Europe who said you've had a lot of women in the sexological body work or the sex space or the BDSM space come on, but not a lot of men. You need to check this guy out. So I'm really excited to have you on, brother. For for people who don't know you or know your background, would you mind giving us or giving my audience just a quick rundown on who you are, what you do, and and what lights you up about it? Yeah, so in a way, I'm a teacher or a researcher or an artist hmm. in the like in-between space between Tantra and BDSM. Ooh, um, I already have 50 fucking questions. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, I think from the teacher perspective, I teach people about Tantra and BDSM um, and like where this meets mm. in very much also like an entryway teacher. Like I meet a lot of new people that doesn't know anything about this. Sure. Um, but like also like a researcher that I spend probably two thirds of my time trying to figure this out for myself, like reading, reading about literature and philosophy and psychology, mm. um, quite involved in uh, with trauma and abuse, um, because it's also often very connected to power and sexuality, which kind of where BDSM and Tantra is very much interconnected. Yeah. Yeah, um, and in the artist way, kind of finding ways to express this that is beyond words, because it's such a, when you dive into the sexuality, I think it's such a diverse and such a complicated subject. Yeah. So it's really hard to give any clear answers. So using art as a, like a platform is for me much more like, it gives me more freedom in a way, because I don't need to prove things. It's just like, this is your experience. This is what you can, yeah, I give you this experience <laughs> and you make out what you want to in a way. Mm. I love it. For people who have heard the terms Tantra and, un, and, and have a very rudimentary understanding or, or, or belief about BDSM, would you mind defining the difference between the two in your yeah. words or your world? Yeah. Um, so BDSM is for me an abbreviation um, of bondage, domination, submission, um, sadomasochism or sadism and masochism and also adding in fetish into this in a way mm-hmm. and, but it's more like a subculture that kind of was born out the, the gay leather culture in the like 70s 80s as a way to people to, to gather around that has this kind of deviant um, sexuality in a way or that are like interested in power in maybe in violence and domination and submission then like the past maybe 50 years it's become more and more mainstream and going away from being like a sub culture in a way to something that you see in 50 shades of gray and that you read about in yeah in like magazines and stuff like that and i think like also for your audience in a way i think it brings up like a really interesting question like 
as like a modern man. I don't know what you call your like your uh, audience in a way. These are like a as, whole as a group of uncivilized men. <laughs> yeah, like this uncivilized man is like okay, like when do you become like the ravager, the beast, the dominant? Mm. I mean, you can can't always be that because you need to fit into the tribe, into the group, into your love relationship. But then sure. uh, there is also like really the space for this. So you need to learn how to balance between holding space for other people and kind of being selfish and taking what you want. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a huge challenge for like modern men um, in this kind of world with like toxic masculinity as this big concept. And another big concept going around is the patriarchy and like all these things. And like, how do you kind of navigate this as a man without being made into like either a victim or an abuser? I think mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. I think that is really for me, like why, where it touches upon your audience mm-hmm. in a way, like, how do you do this? Yeah, so I think that is like BDSM for me. Sure. Um, then we have the word of Tantra, and it's kind of conscious sexuality. Like right. in, in the old way of defining Tantra, it was to work with whatever thing limited your beliefs or your way that you exist in this universe or in this world. And it's like a few thousand years old. It's like a it's like an an extended like Buddhist or Hindu practice, like from the Eastern kind of what you say, cultural or kind of religious <clears throat> practices, but it's something that you do. It's not so much like, like of a mind framework. And then like in this like modern society, when like BDSM has the visual image of like a dungeon with whips and chains and leather, yeah, the visual image of like a yoga yoga studio, temple space, healthy diet, <laughs> um, Bali goddess kind of that visual kind of image really is like a more accessible way for people into conscious mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, yeah. I think like where they really share is this kind of being present with your emotions and your desires and expressing that and not kind of acting so much out of like an outer programming, like following your instincts and your desires. Yeah. Somewhere like around that. And then it's like, but it's like, it's also this kind of collection of old uh, practices that kind of has been verbally transmitted through, I don't know, a couple of hundreds or thousands of years turned now into something called like Neo Tantra that is yeah, this kind of modern thing, how it fits into our society where you don't have to live in a, as like a forest monk in the middle of nowhere of the Tibetan mountains in a way. Like how can you practice this living in a city and having a normal life? Oh, brother, thank you for that. I think you just that last question raises so many of the questions where most people, I think, view Tantra as like, two vegans eight feet apart from each other somehow having sex whatever without touching and then bdsm is just this you know crazy leather whip chain gag like dungeon and and if you're not willing to go to the extremes people people see the extremes and think wow that's not for me rather than what appears to be bubbling up in the culture and one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is that people want to take a little bit from each it's like, hey, I have this, you know, I, I like it when my man's in charge in the bedroom. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm leaning more towards BDSM, but I don't want to have eight-inch stiletto heels and a whip. 
or like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in a more in the depth of sensuality around sexuality. So I'm interested in Tantra, but like, I really don't want to stop eating steak. So there's, there's like a whole bunch of, <laughs> of oh, Bruce. Arbic- <laughs> Bruce is like really funny anecdote. Like in, there's like a really old Hindu like texture about Tantra. And it was like about challenging your beliefs. So there was this corpse eating tantric cult probably like 5,000 <laughs> years ago. So that, that that's your steak on fire in a way. Right. <laughs> I, I love the, in, and Andy, I just love in between spaces. Yeah. I think that's where there's so much information that gets lost. And so much of my audience actually is interested in the in-between space of these two worlds because they they don't want to make sexuality their business or their soul life purpose. Yet they realize it's a powerful thing to draw from and don't really know how to approach changing it or, or viewing it in a different way. So a couple different words that you used that I would love for us to dive into. Uh, first being, I'll just list them. First being consent. Let's have a really interesting conversation around consent beyond like, yes, they do. No, they don't. Uh, the mm. idea of power dynamic in relationship. I'd love to dive into that. And then a question that I get so often is around pain and trauma. Mm. Are, are people who are interested in BDSM only traumatized? And are we re-traumatizing them or are they re-traumatizing each other by practicing it? So just to give you a little bit of a frame of what I'd love to dive into. So first, if we can talk about consent, especially in a BDSM framework where, and and I'm in the framework with you. So I've I've played Mm -hmm. in these arenas as well and understand that there's consent and there's also consent to push boundaries. Mm which for a lot of people that right there, the duality of like, wait, it's a yes or a no, but there's a yes and, but there's also a no. So can we dive into mm. a little bit on your, in your perspective of when you're working with a sub or you're working in a power dynamic, walk mm. me through your consent process, if you would. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to split consent first into three different like time aspects. The first is like, what do you know before you start your session or your interaction? And that is for me like a thing like guessing. So if I ask you like, do you want to spank me? Mm-hmm. Then I'm actually guessing that I would like you to spank me because mm-hmm. like it's a guess beforehand. So mm-hmm. it's kind of trying to predict the future about what is about to happen. Mm. And in Sweden, we have this now passed consent law saying that you need to get the verbal consent before like starting a sexual activity with someone. Um, I mean, that's amazing because there's problems with rape and blah, blah, blah. But it's also like, like, it's also like something that you ask ahead of time. But like, how do I know that I want to have sex with you like in five minutes when we get going? So like there's the pre-negotiated consent. Mm -hmm. And for like me in that, that is more like, to avoid your landmines or your big triggers, the things that you really know that you don't want to get into. Sure. But I also think going too much into that, like especially like in the US culture, like some people come with their kind of laminated lists of like, this is my limits, my boundaries. And I mean, in the BDSM nerd community, and I think like that kind of kills the mystery of intimacy and sexuality as well. Mm. 
So like if I would have an interaction with someone I don't know, maybe I would be very curious to like, what is your hard limits? What do you like? What do you don't like? But in my experiences, that is very hard to know because it depends on what kind of dynamic do we have and how do we mm-hmm. interact. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of comes to this more like what I would say on the fly concept. Like how do you have consent in your movement, in your dance, in your interaction, in your sex, in your play? Of course, like the most basic way is to have a stop word where you sure. can ask someone as you go, like you say stop or say red or yellowfish or something like this if you don't yeah. like it. But for me, like if you go to that level that you're so disconnected from your partners, do they need to say a specific word to kind of stop you? Then you kind of lost it a long time ago. Yeah. So I think like for me, sexuality and BDSM and Tantra, it's much more like of a partner dancing experience. And then it's about learning how to read each other's body language and learning how the other person operates and feeling what the other person feels. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a game of empathy and like and leading and following yeah so i mean that is like more like on the the on the fly consent and i think that is something that Mm. we are quite not so good at today because we are very practiced at overriding our feelings you know like at work we learn to uh, work our eight hours day so we get paid afterwards so Mm. to kind of put our feelings on the shelf to push Mm. through something hard Mm. um but like that is not for me how intimacy works or sexuality um, because then you want to feel your feelings and you want to share your feelings and you want to f- share your experience. So actually like with a sub sharing their experience makes themselves more vulnerable. And also for me as the dominant sharing my experience, sharing my desire, what I want for them, like what they would say in Japan is like what what a maniac about them, like what they really want, what they want to take, what they want to ravage. Like by sharing that um, through action, um, through sound, through how I use my body, I mean, that is in a way this on-the-fly consent. And that's something that you build as with a partner as you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. sometimes I joke that like you shouldn't start to have sex before you've gone to like a few tango lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate this, man. I, th- I think we're, you know, there's there's a separation between this is a long-term partner who I know. I, I know that even if she says she likes this, that twitch of her left shoulder means we need to stop it. That's yeah. that's that's apparent in longer-term relationships. Uh, so I, I appreciate the difference between that and someone who you may have met immediately and are, are engaging with that there needs to be more conversation up front, just to, as you said, like to avoid the landmines or to set a frame that also says, hey, at any point, if you put me in charge, I have the right to pull the plug on this prematurely or go like, I'll, I'd rather apologize for that. Like, ah, oh, sorry, I thought you were in distress and you weren't. Uh, I'd rather that than we have clean up to do afterwards uh, emotionally or physically appreciate that yeah for for people but it's also like another thing like i think with like uh, go ahead please i guess just like a tendon like a side note like another thing sure. on that is like this i think of course you can say people should go tango dancing but i think it's also like doing B- bgj martial arts you also learn how to like read another body's language another person's body language i think that is just like yeah sorry yeah. that's yeah. No, it's super, and it's it's fine. A lot of my audience is actually in BJJ, so they get it. Uh, I remember wrestling with guys and getting them in a particular lock, you know, an arm lock, and and saying verbally, like, 
you need to fucking tap or I'm going to break your arm. Like I get that your ego is telling you that you're okay and that, but like your arm's about to snap and I don't want to do that. So either tap or like, I'm going to let you go because you're a dumbass or you're so lost in the experience that you don't have enough consciousness to say, yeah, I really want to be able to move my elbow for the next six weeks. I should probably tap right now. So I think just having like what you're speaking to is an awareness and a presence that both people need to have, but especially the one who's in the power, power position. And that is Tantra, having that presence and not being with your ego or your ideas or your projections about yourself, that I'm the best uh, BJJ fighter ever, so no right. one can snap my arm. Yeah, so like, yeah. Right. F- fabulous. Andy, when you, when you first start, start talking to people about power dynamics... How do you frame that conversation? That is something that the vast majority of my audience, when, when they say, hey, I want to spice my sex life up, I go, okay, cool. Have you played with power dynamics? Most mm-hmm. people are like, no. So does that mean that like I'm in charge all the time and she just has to do whatever I say? Like, well, that's, that's, that's a leap. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's like power dynamic 101 or power dynamics for dummies in your opinion? Yeah. We just need to jump back quickly to consent because there's a third kind of step of it. And that is like this talking about it afterwards or like debriefing Mm -hmm. and just like sharing about your experience. But I mean, people get that, but that is also important. But people don't get that. I think that's something really important to bring up is how many people just kind of roll over and go to sleep or, you know, get up and go to the bathroom and then do something else as opposed to the actual figuring out. Uh, I think it's really important that you bring that up. for the case that perhaps what we thought we would like, we didn't actually like in reality. Yeah, and I think that's super important to mention to a partner. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But there's also like a funny twist to this because if you think about your own life, like what things um, have you thought about before that it was a good idea and you did it and it wasn't a good idea, but then afterhand it was horrible. Or like, <laughs> what times in your life have you thought like this is a fucked up idea, mm-hmm. but you did it, <laughs> and then it was amazing <laughs> afterward, or something like you thought beforehand. This is like an amazing idea going to the survival course. It's horrible when you're there, but afterwards you're really happy about it. So like with this consent thing, it's like really hard to know. Like, should it be a yes on all of these three, or is yeah. it okay that it's a yes as you do it, but it's a no afterwards? Or is it worth doing something that was a horrible idea beforehand, horrible as you did it, but you kind of like it afterhand? So like this, it becomes very complicated. Yeah, it does. And as a graduate of a survival course, I'll tell you the entire time, I was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. I'm never, ever fucking doing this again. I hate this. And then like six months later, it was like, I kind of miss it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's dive into power dynamics, brother. What's yeah, your yeah, what's kind of your frame for that, if you would? I mean, I think what is the most basic thing is saying that there is two different dynamics going on in most relationships, in most forms of intimacy. Um, in one way, is like what I would say is like that you're giving a gift, you're holding space for someone. That you're taking care of them, showing that you are this kind of nice person that is that you want to be with. Or the other thing is also nice. But then the other thing is like you taking something from someone that you have their permission that they want you to take from them. 
in a way that they want you to ravage them, that they want you to devour them, that they want you to fuck them or something like this. And I think like learning how to switch between these two, I think is the fundamental thing, but like on the basic place in a power dynamic. But maybe first we need to like talk about what a dynamic is. And um, I think yeah. that we need to take it one step back more like, Sure. Because like a dynamic, at least for me, is the is the opposite into being doing being equal that is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like that is creating two roles um, that is mutual beneficial, and the more you pull them apart, the more they will benefit each other. So like the more someone gets better at following in dance, the better the other person will be at leading. Mm-hmm. So learning how to pull up this apart and that creates like in Tantra would say attention or like an excitement or a yeah like an excitement and tension between the two people mm-hmm. um like two people trying to lead in a dance at the same time and follow at the same time nothing happens right um so what a, a dynamic is or polarity the use word i sometimes use is the idea to define two roles that are mutually beneficial um and then pull them apart far and I mean, it's kind of funny, like if you look in the kind of gay world, there's already like this is already set up way ahead of time. Like who is the who is the one that's going to be doing the fucking in a way? Like mm-hmm. who is the alpha and who is the sub or the beta? Like everyone in the kind of outside the straight world knows that it needs to be a like a power dynamic or polarity mm-hmm. for like desire and sexuality to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we live in this very equal society, which could be good and it could be bad, but it has like definitely like benefits. But I think for sexuality, you want to be able to create this polarity. Mm-hmm. And then it's a question like, mm-hmm. what do you create it in between? Some people like um, in old school Tantra, they would say between the man and the woman. Um, in more neo-Tantra, people would say between the masculine and the feminine. In the BDSM, you would say between the dom and the sub or between the sadist and the masochist. Mm-hmm. So you create these roles that kind of create tension that is like an interesting tension in your relationship or in your interaction or in your intimacy. Mm. Uh, and then the question is like, okay, so what two roles should we pick? Mm-hmm. And like some people are like, maybe you should just pick traditional gender roles. Mm-hmm. So like for one evening, go for like a 50s date. Like you tell your woman what, how she should dress. You take her to a restaurant. You decide what you're going to talk about. You pay for everything. You treat her like a queen. And then you come home and you have sex with her. Um, like mm-hmm. that works amazing for many people. Um, like, or you do like some intricate BDSM fantasy mm-hmm. play in a way. So like how to like what things you want to put in these two different roles. It's like really hard to tell anyone or like define strictly. Like some people really like the physical, like, or be, become physically overpowered or like wrestle down. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also one thing I would say, like, it doesn't have to be set beforehand. Like I remember it's like I had this one of my first partners and I wasn't, I was kind of new into BDSM. We were exactly the same size. We could switch clothes and I'm kind of tall and big and she was tall and big. So we would actually fight for power. And the person who was the strongest would fuck the other one. They were the one who would decide how the sex would go. <laughs> I love it. It's like Wednesday night wrestle fest at, at Andy's house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a beautiful explanation. This is juicy, isn't it? This is a really great episode. I'm so appreciative of Andy for coming on, sharing his knowledge. Like this guy is a master 
and yet is willing to speak to me. So I'm super grateful. Please, if you would go to Instagram right now, check out at Zen Squatch, check out at Cured Nutrition, shoot them a message, let them know that you heard about them on the podcast. Thank them for supporting me. Please support them. I, I dropped their websites in the, in the intro. Uh, use the code uncivilized with both of them to get a discount. But if you would just shoot them a message. Let them know like, hey, I appreciate you supporting Traver so that he can bring on more amazing guests like Andy Buru. All right, back to Andy. A question, if I can throw one at you that I get all the time from couples is how do we distinguish what happens outside of the bedroom to allow for equality and permission and all of the positives that don't have a power dynamic how do we then transition into a power dynamic without feeling bipolar? Does that question make mm. sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's all about ritual. Mm. Um, how to create a ritual that allows you to step into a power dynamic and then to allow you to step out of it again. Mm. Okay. Would you mind speaking yeah. to that for just a little bit longer? Yeah. Um, like like with the rituals it? that like, I was going to think a bit like how about how to frame it. Um, I mean, rituals that like that I propose for people in a way, like how to step into this power dynamic would be to like whenever you're in bed mm. um, or you can do something more like elaborate that you would like put a blindfold on your partner or saying that I will take you to dinner and then when we come home I will are you allowed to say fuck on your podcast oh fuck yeah man this is, this is <laughs> there's no holds bar here it's, it's an it's, american yeah it's uncivilized yeah. I mean, like, podcast yeah say whatever yeah. You, yeah yeah you're good yeah i mean like i said like okay, i'm going to take you to dinner and then i'm going to take take you home then i'm going to fuck you and like that is like then the ritual is the ritual is the dinner and the preparation for that and mm-hmm. then like you end so i mean it's all about creating like in a way, I think that maybe back in the days we knew how to do this in a more kind of subconscious way or instinctual way. Mm-hmm. But in a world that becomes more and more equalized, we need to more like put the finger on like what is the ritual that we use. Right. And I mean, some people do very unconscious rituals like, hey, it's Friday night, we're going to have sex. So we drink like half a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have like, um i don't know violent sex in a way um so i think it's just putting words on what ritual um a couple has in their relationship yeah um yeah and like using that to step into the power dynamic um and then also like how, how do we step out of it in a way yeah and would you mind speaking to stepping out and the reason i'm asking this question is I've had to navigate this myself and had to navigate it with subs who would say, I'm struggling with the idea that I, my mom was a feminist. She fought for my rights. I'm a feminist. I believe in equality. And yet I want to be dominated heavily. How do I transition back into myself and me as a dominant who also has a lot of female clients, you know, is, is a good person in the world. How do I transition back into like, okay, now I'm here to serve the masses without feeling like an asshole for dominating a, even a willing partner. Would you mind speaking a bit on the transition out? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about learning to own your sexuality in a way. 
for sure. I think I have a friend that, yeah, she's the most, one of my, she's a brilliant person. And what, I mean, she said like this, she was a strong feminist and very much into equality. And, but she said she got into Tantra and she noticed that like her political view is in deep conflict with her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, then what is more important to me? Mm. And she's like, no, but like, I need to be able to honor my sexuality because if I shut down my sexuality, I shut down my pleasure, I shut down my desire, like you're not going to function well as a person. Right. I agree. So like once you start to say that, okay, for this limited amount of time, I can value my sexuality more than my political orientation. Mm-hmm. Then I think you can start to allow yourself to dive into that. And I think there is also this, I think why, like the reason why BDSM is like coming up more and more, this power dynamics or this, this place of domination is coming up today. It's more like, the more you suppress these power games, the more they will kind of develop. They need to have some way where they can express themselves. Yeah. So like a lot of my clients, and a lot of my lovers are like super strong feminists because they, they long to be dominated or to dominate people, sure. um, to play with power in a way. Um, yeah, and, and they so long think, like, for what they're not expressing out in the world. Yeah. So if you're in charge and on top of things and responsible, I imagine you long for irresponsibility and to be led and to be to let go of control. And if mm. you don't have control, you probably long to have control. Mm. I, I've often joked that the two political parties, especially here in the US, where they're super polarized, should just mm. all get together for the weekend and fuck because they, <laughs> they clearly want to. They're like this would be really good for everybody. Because, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was a little sidetrack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think like learning how to own your sexuality, and I mean how, and I mean it's it's a process. Yeah. Like I mean, I started to discover BDSM in my like late teens in a way, and it took a long time coming from a very kind of um, like equal feminist political kind of family. Sure. Um, so like doing that, it's a process that people I think should go through and realize that you can be both things at the same time. And I think that's hard in our world that becomes so polarized in a way. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like, how do I want to save the environment, but still it's stake on like on a Friday? Like, I mean, you need to be able to yeah. be like complicated as a human being. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful, yeah. just a beautiful wrap up sentence you need to be able to be complicated as a human being. And we keep feeding this notion that things are binary, but they're not. They're very nuanced. They're very gray. There's a part of you that may want to run out and save the planet and a part of you that may very much love to eat steak, just like a part of you may be a very kind, quiet, almost you know submissive male at work. And yet when you get home, you want to fuck your woman. You want to dominate. You want to be in charge. I, I think we need, especially here in the wet in the U.S., we're a fucking mess, man. Uh, we really need to open that permission tab and say, like, it's everything's it's okay. You're allowed to be more than one thing. Everybody, take a deep breath. I think that'll be especially mm. around <laughs> sexuality, where we are, you know, as moral as we can be on paper, but yet spend like three trillion dollars a year on pornography. 
and no. and pornography is free. Let's just throw that out there. Somehow we still manage to spend money on it. Andy, can we switch and talk a little bit around or to pain and trauma as pain as like an ingredient of BDSM and trauma as something that people need to be aware of or just what the role of trauma plays in sexuality in your world? Yeah, yeah, I have two like thoughts or tracks that we can kind of follow down, segue sure. into. Sure. Um, I'm thinking where to start. Um, maybe first about trauma. It's okay. kind of, it's a thought that I think sometimes, I think it's interesting. Like maybe in the future that if we are in a, like a society where, I don't know, there are no difference between the genders anymore. Like everyone picks their own place in the hierarchy and so on. Maybe then we won't be into BDSM and Tantra at all. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll just create kids in like some... I don't know, laboratory as like in this, what is it like? Oh, in this brand new world kind of uh, fantasy or story or dystopia in a way. So in a way, like maybe we are so into power dynamics because we are traumatized as a society. Oh, wow. Like that is something that I think about sometimes. Sometimes when I have this argument with feminists, it's like, yeah, but you can't do this because this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. And maybe in a hundred years when we have created the perfect society maybe we're not into this but while we are where we are i think we need to honor and be conscious about our sexuality Mm. and not being conscious and suppressing our sexuality will just make things worse we will come up subconsciously and like like if you want to meet a dominant guy is it better that you actually go and you write that on tinder or whatever or that you go and get shit-faced at a bar and then you try to pick up like the biggest truck driving asshole that you can find like what is like the most sensible thing in a way yeah that's a really um, interesting thread to follow of have we all been traumatized in some regard by a power dynamic, be it even as little kids, you have to do what your parents tell you. You have to do what people who are bigger than you tell you. I can walk on the street. I'm in New York city right now and a police officer can tell me what to do, right? There's, there's, there's power dynamics at play everywhere. So perhaps you're right. We, we would, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't have the need to, archetypally express power dynamics sexually if they didn't exist but man i don't even i can't even (laughs) fathom that world (laughs) yeah like in a way i mean i think there is this swedish book and it's he called like the human species instead of homo sapiens call it like homo he hierarchical it's hard to translate into english but it's like it's almost like being hierarchical it's like one of the most fundamental kind of things in in our species, I think. Um, And I think it's like a good thing because like we want to honor competence, want to honor power when it's like deserved and like in all these ways. I think, I I don't think we will ever get away from this. No, I can tell you that I am the same as Michael Jordan, the basketball player. Like I I just, I, I promise you, but you'll be like, if you go on the basketball court, that dude's better than you. Like, no, 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 I, but, but I identify as someone who's better than him. He was like, well, okay, great. <laughs> and yet we still have to deal with the reality that there are people who are, yeah, who are more powerful. And yeah. But I then also, I, like, if I look at myself, it's like that when I'm conscious about these power games, these power hierarchies, I'm much less interested or am I, to participate in them or I, I decide when I want to play 
or when I want to fight for a position of power or when I just don't care. Right. right. Um, so I think that, I mean, there is a lot, not a lot, but some of the research that is on BDSM is really saying like people that practice BDSM and are conscious about power games and consent. Yeah. They, they, I mean, there is this measuring factor that is called uh, rape supporting beliefs. And it's like, if you're the kind of person that think if, uh, if you buy a girl a lot of drinks, then she's obligated to fuck with you. That would be like a rape supporting belief in a way. Sure. And people that are into conscious sexuality and into BDSM, they have much less or much lower rape supporting beliefs than the population in general. Yeah, I would, I would say the conscious end of that for sure. Because think of how many more conversations you've simply had around sexuality than the average couple who are just fumbling their way through their trauma, their limiting beliefs, their shame, the things they don't want you to know, the things that they're ashamed of that may even be pleasurable. Uh, I remember when I first got into the BDSM world, having consent conversations that were 45 minutes long, right? That were like, wait a minute, this was not your standard dating. It's not date three. And I'm taking your shirt off. Like, I hope she's into this. Uh, she seems to be into this. Uh, so I, I agree with you. Would you also then, say though, if, sorry, if we go to trauma, yeah, does, yeah, I'm here also. does the BDSM community though, attract traumatized people? Um, I would say yes, in many ways. Um, and I think that's why there is such a discussion around consent and trauma because there needs to be. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it could be, or it has been a, like a murky water where people go to act out their traumas or act out. Because I mean, I think you can be traumatized. For me, like a guy who continuously rape a woman or w- women are also traumatized. That like man, something. You're, you're saying that man is also traumatized. Totally. I mean, something went wrong. There is this amazing um, video on Vimeo where it's called Step Into the Circle. And it's like this Jewish yeah. woman and she's just in this yeah. high security prison and she has all the men standing like the most dangerous <sighs> men in the US. And they're like, she was like, who of you was beaten when you were a kid? Take a step into the circle. Who were you was verbally abused? Who were you had drug abusing parents? Mm-hmm. And everyone steps in. It's like, they are the most traumatized people in the world. Like that's all the people who don't function in society. Right. Um, that's if you guys haven't, if I can just interrupt, if you guys haven't seen that video, go see that video. It will give you chills. It'll make you cry. You realize that we as a culture, we've almost sidestepped trauma as a thing, especially here in the US, Andy, where it's like all about progress. It's like, we don't really care what happened to you. You have to figure out a way to overcome that, which is great for like 10% of the population. But 90% of the population is like, but I have like legitimate trauma. I, I'm not going to just, like, we can do it. Like that's not going to get us through it. Uh, so I appreciate you bringing that video up, especially. I think it's super important. So, so back to the community though. Continue if you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, in a way, like if you start to use these modalities from BDSM, like playing with whips and bondage and power structure, playing this master slave games, maybe you play this kind of playful rape fantasies and this physical domination, then you're kind of turning up the dial in like you're, up, you're turning up the volume mm-hmm. and then you, and that might trigger people's traumas in a way. 
So you kind of need to be aware of either if you disassociate, that means that your head goes somewhere else. You start to think about your shopping list when you're having sex. Um, or if you panic, right. like that the person freezes and they, they panic. And that means that you have turned up the volume too high. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just like something that people need to learn to deal with in a way that, and to avoid in a way, um, one thing is like measuring yourself with other people, measuring yourself with porn on the internet, measuring yourself with other people in BDSM clubs, measuring right. yourself when you talk about how you have sex with your girlfriend or how other people to like, you need to find a volume level that fits your relationship. And I think this is like something that I, I I love to teach because like in the tantric world, we are learning to tune down the volume and become, become more sensitive mm-hmm. and not need so much to have like a strong sensation. Mm-hmm. So like what I usually say is that in the BDSM where a lot of people go there, it's because they have like a lot of armor, they have high walls, they're good at protecting themselves. So they turn up the volume by adding more pain, more stronger language, stronger bondage, more toys, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so there's like a this is like there's a journey in two directions. One thing of course you should learn these powerful modalities. Like it's amazing to be able to spank someone or flog them or something like this. Like do it in a way. Yeah. But then like also learn how to be more sensitive and how to feel more. Mm. Um, Andy would you yeah, say so like go ahead, sorry for, from a pers- no, no, no. I'm for- I'm done. From a prescription standpoint, if you were to prescribe, would you say to the person that that needs the intensity, needs the whips, the spanking, the yelling, the loud music, they're they're gonna get more information out of learning tantra? And would you say to the tantra people who are like, oh my god, everything is just this minute, the lightest of touch, the lightest of smell, that they will get more information out of BDSM? Yeah, you you just summarized my job. Okay. <laughs> we'll put this in the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is what Andy Burr does. <laughs> yeah, you- but like this is the, like I usually tell like I like I usually tell I teach BDSM people to open their hearts. Mm. And I teach Tantra people how to be a bit more powerful and use a bit more crazy wild um modalities. Yeah. I, I love, I think I, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was going to dive into the primal and divine, but I think we'll, we'll pass on that. Where does pain come into play for, for humans in the sexual, in the sexual realm? What are some of the things people need to know beforehand? And if you could just talk about it as a flavor or as an ingredient in BDSM, because I think it's also one of the most misunderstood sensations in sexuality mm. uh what it's used for what it's positive when it's too much etc mm. yeah i mean i would say it's used in three different ways mainly um one thing is that if pain is built up slowly so the body has time to release endorphin as it re- as it receives pain in combination with having a high level of sexual arousal in your body the body will start to mix the two and will start to say that pain is pleasure and pleasure is pain. Mm-hmm. This is like the typical, you know, runner's high. You have run, I don't know, it's, it's like three kilometers or something like this when you're 20 minutes in. And yeah. older, all of a sudden, it's like a really nice thing. You continue and you go, 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 and it just feels better until you are fucked up the day after when you go <laughs> ride with your body. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, this kind of... Um, 
what do you say, like biological mechanic or biological tool exists in all humans. Mm. Then it's my experience, like how quickly you can ramp up the pain or how much pain you can handle that is super individualized. Okay. Um, there is kind of this funny thing, like saying that, that redheads, that they kind of process pain differently. So if I ever make like a workshop on like suffering in rope bondage or like this like really fucked up shit, you will say like half of the group is going to be redheads. Or <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. Uh, I'm curious how many redheads are listening to this and are just like that motherfucker. He sees me. He gets me. He understands me. Uh, <laughs> So I think that's one part. And I mean, I mean, everyone can get that and it's nice. And yeah, I think that is, the, and I think that is mostly where like beginners start in BDSM. If you do it in a conscious way, you learn how to flog someone using flogger is like having this soft, heavy whip that sure. feels like this heavy massage. In a way. I mean, I think that's, that's an easy way into it. Then I think pain can also be, if you want to, a way to create a power dynamic or to assert dominance in a way. And it's mainly being used, I would say, if you're not so good at emotional or mental domination, then you can use pain in a sense. Like if your sub or if your partner do not want to follow your commands or follow you in the dance, I mean, of course, you can always hit them with a whip mm-hmm. um, to show them now you should follow me. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of also like when you are teaching someone something when you're leading people like positive reinforcement is most of the time much much stronger but if you're not able to give people positive reinforcement then you can kind of use pain as like a tool in it Mm -hmm. and then you want to give pain that is not following this endorphin build up because then the pain should be said Anna, this is actually a punishment Mm -hmm. and it could be a part of your kind of role play so i think a lot of people eroticize this this scenario of receiving pain as a punishment to being forced into something. Mm. Um, but then it's much more an expression of power and dominance and not so much about this endorphin rush. Mm. Okay. That's super helpful. What would you say for people who are curious about pain? What do they need to know beforehand? You have using pain in, in the sexual arena. What do they need to know before? I mean, I think if you want to approach it as this kind of endorphin kind of learning how to deal with pain, completely beginners, then it's like the body shouldn't tense up. You should be, you sh- there's a big difference between surrendering to pain and enduring pain. Mm. A lot of people are very good at enduring. That's something we practice all the time in work life yeah. and in military training and in working out in the gym. Like how to endure more and more. It's not about that. It's about surrendering and breathing into the pain and like letting the body like receive the amount of pain that it can handle. And if you do that, then you will be able to handle more and more pain Um, and then get more and more endorphins. And then we will start to confuse it with, not confuse it, it's such a bad wrong, mix it with sexual stimuli or sexuality and pleasure. So one thing like mix pain and pleasure you can't just give someone pain you need to give them pleasure also because it makes it easier to process the pain Um, if the body is tensing out physically if the person is starting to hold their breath then you're overflowing them with pain Mm. just like to sidetrack this to make some people that like were 
and some people both like that likes very rough and like physical rough sex in a way um they also like adrenaline mm-hmm. or like the, the 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 high of the fight or like like with my my ex long time back we were fighting for power who would fuck ho in a way that was the adrenaline rush mm-hmm. so sometimes you want to burn through your adrenaline mm-hmm. like 15 minutes hard like wrestling fighting to sure. then go into this kind of um I think it's more common for guys to need to burn through their adrenaline to learn how to surrender. If it's like about the man is supposed to be the submissive one, mm. I would say that women are in general better at surrendering without burning through their adrenaline first. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I would see, I can see that for sure. That's really good. Yeah, so then like, go yeah, so like when you burn, so then like, so when you burn through the adrenaline after that, then you can go into this more softer following the breath, making sure that the body doesn't tense and kind of then sink deeper, deeper into it in a way and mixing that with pleasure. Um, okay. Beautiful, brother. That's a really great explanation. And uh, I, I had this uh, in acupuncture school, had this one teacher, really like this 80-year-old Chinese guy. And he, he was super heavy handed with needles. He'd be like, the needle needs to hurt for acupuncture to be effective. And then he'd always say like, but then you give the patient sugar and he'd like rub someone's back for five minutes. And <laughs> <laughs> like it can't all be pain. I hope that yeah. comes across to the people listening who I imagine see BDSM, see the visuals of it, see the whip, see the chain, see the like conventional way it's portrayed and think like, oh, this is just hurting somebody. And not yeah, but, seeing the beautiful interplay between pain and pleasure. But there is also like a third way, I would say, is when we start to look at our shadow side in a way of like our really like disturbed fantasies mm. and doing that in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's when you start to uh, like explore concepts like rape play or like fear play. I mean, this is with in general in BDS will be called edge play because they're like on at the edge of the kind of of the things that where you go to like the last, like when you are experienced, yeah. consensual, non-consent, and these kind of things and total power exchanges, lots of words for this. Sure. Um, and I think diving into your shadows in a way, I think is super interesting and it can be super healing if you do it in a conscious way, but that's not where you start. And then maybe you want to have like pain just because it's pain. And I think like, but this is also what often gets portrayed in media because this is what looks spectacular in a way. Sure. But I think that's not where beginners should start at all. No, I I completely agree with you. Can we use that as a springboard into the idea that BDSM is simply fetishizing or eroticizing our wounds I think, I think I had a, a, a psychologist tell me that once you worked through your wounding as a child or whenever it was, that this kind of sex will no longer turn you on. And I was like, well, I don't agree with that per se. I've had plenty of submissives who've gone through years of therapy and are like, I'm good with the, all the things, but this still turns me on. So would you speak a bit to perhaps the hesitancy or the the resistance to like, oh, I'm, I'm just fetishizing my wounds here as opposed to working through them. Yeah, I don't know if I know the answer to that. Okay. I mean, I definitely, as 
the same way as you describe it. I know people that have like spent a lot of time on self-development and therapy and understands themselves inside out and they're still turned on by power dynamics. Yeah. Um, I definitely see that. I also see people that have like grown out a fetish in a way or like an interest or a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like they've explored something into depth and it's like, eh, no, no, this is not so interesting anymore. Yeah. Like from a tantric perspective, that would definitely be the way, be the way that they see the world. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of connected to kind of this uh, secular Eastern religious kind of way where like you should release a uh, re- but it's released, maybe the bad word, but where you should let go of your desires and your rejections. Right. And that's how you kind of are ready to leave the circle of being reborn. And that's how you reach nirvana. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, they, they, they would like be on arguing in that track in a way. So like, yeah. Okay. I think it's so different for different people. So it's really hard to say. Um, but I mean, I think also like in, there's like another way, like I, like I, I have, friends and have had partners and the clients and people in workshops and festival that has been heavily abusive with pain back in the days everything from like cutting yourself from doing drugs partying too hard working too hard and when they are practicing tantra and bdsm in a conscious way they say like it's a world of difference mm. it's like when they are feeling horrible so that they want to hurt themselves like tantra and bdsm is the last thing they want to do right um so for them, it's a huge difference. And then it's the same thing for me. Like when I feel bad, I don't want to do the sexy stuff with anyone. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to, to frame it. Thank you. If I can ask you yeah. two, two more questions. Yeah, sure. Go and for then it. I'll, I'll put them both out just to let your, your mind percolate on them before we dive into them. Question one is, why did Fifty Shades explode into the collective? Why, why was it, I don't know if you, that book has outsold, it's like we, a, a gazillion dollars have been spent on 50 shades. Why did it hit the culture the way it did? And why is BDSM making its way into the culture uh, in the way that it is? And then question two, which is going to be a little bit different uh, is how do people go about finding partners who on a female, say, we, we're just going to just say for a female sub how do they just not find an asshole dominant who's just like, oh, I just, I just like beating up women or abusing women. And for men how, or dominance, how do they go about finding a sub who's just not looking to get further abused or traumatized? So question one, why the hell did this thing take off the way it did and when it did, in your opinion? Should we take the long answer? It's funny. Go for it. Okay. I mean, like the background of how Fifty Shades of Grey started was actually um, like as a fan fiction extension of Twilight, you know, the vampire thing. Right, right. Uh, And if you look at like, what is it that Twilight describes? You have this girl that is being described and she's, they never talk about her. She's this gray, uh, anonymous woman that anyone can project themselves onto. And then half of the book, is like focusing on this amazing man who is made out of steel who can kill her if they would have sex, if he would ever dare to, but he's also still stoic and he protects her. So like it's this book kind of describes this female and masculine kind of polarity in a way that really fetishizes the man. Mm. So it's made for female readers that they can say themselves as, I don't remember her name, 
and they can kind of dream about this um, vampire that is being super described into every like little details how he sweat, how his sweat smells and how his muscle looks and how he breathes and how he smells. Um, so then the the woman who wrote like Fifty Shades Grey, she started to write kind of to fill in the sex scenes of uh, Twilight um, to kind of explain what really was happening. And this got so popular on the internet, so people said, oh, you should write your own book about this. So she pretty much took the story of Twilight and she made it into like a story about Christian Grey, who is this kind of BDSM, like almost a little bit like vampiric, psychopath, superpowers, he's so rich, he has everything. And this really gray and boring girl that anyone can project themselves onto. So it really speaks, I would say, into um, like the female readers. It's it's like chic, what you say, chic flicks or chic lit in a way, like it's for women. Yeah. Um, And it talks into something that is totally kind of forbidden today, that women want to be submissive, Mm -hmm. that she wants to be submissive. in a, in a world where women should be strong and where women should like fight and be like masculine. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think that's why it exploded so hard in the kind of, yeah, in, in, in the, in the pop culture in a way. Yeah. Um, then like every like BDSM person you would talk to, they are super upset about this. Yeah, They're like, this terrible. is essential. He's not doing it the right way. Um, like all of this, but like, it's talking about the fantasy that I think that people are fighting so hard or having to fight so hard because I mean, I meet so many men, women, I mean, that are forced to be masculine, to fight in a masculine hierarchy. Um, and they, and they like, they forget how to surrender. They forget how to submit. They forget how to let go because they are so used to force to fight, 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 fight. And they have to fight 10 times harder than every man to be successful. Um, so then when someone comes and they re- like give you this bedtime story to read before going to bed, talking about your deepest fantasy, maybe subconscious deep fantasy, like, of course, it's going to explode. And like, I think Twilight already kind of segued itself into that because it's also kind of was maybe, I don't know, it's like five or 10 years before. So a lot of the young girls, it's like written for teens, sure. reading Twilight, fantasizing about that, and then being given like Twilight sex version bdsm version like of course (laughs) (laughs) that's the long version yeah no i love i love it you know i always thought too and i only read like the first two chapters and then was like this is just trash Uh, (laughs) but what it also felt like was that the male attention on her was so heavy that like he's super focused on her sexually at a time when so much male attention it feels like from talking to women is external it's they're they're more interested in porn while they're fucking their woman they're thinking about work they're looking at their phone they're thinking about they're not there present and yet she received like 100 of his presence granted wrapped in some extra like was he like a 26 year old billionaire like yeah. <laughs> who also fucks really well yeah good, good, good luck with that one uh okay yeah, cool it's so sad for men because like they are totally not on the ball, what they say, ballpark when it comes to sexuality in a way. Sure. Like no one cares about them. People care about right. equality and how like this female fantasy about being dominated in a way. Right. That is what getting portrayed in. And, and yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was very, I, yeah, I, I feel for younger men 
who are on some level uh, just trying to figure their way out in the world and are competing with that archetype, right? It, it, it is a challenge. Eddie, how do people go about finding healthy, safe, like what's the vetting process? If we say someone's listening to this, they're like, cool, I'm really interested in BDSM. I'm going to go read some books. I'm going to follow Andy's work. But now I'm in the dating world or the, you know, I'm looking for a partner and we can flip this again for women who are listening to this in the same way. What's a safe, healthy way to vet a partner and not just find someone that's going to fuck them up? Mm, I mean, two things I would say, the willingness to go slow and adapt to each other. That's, I would say, number one thing. Um, And the second thing is being a social or a communing or a tribal being because psychopaths or like people that are abusive, they are shit scared about going to like a munch for BDSM people mm-hmm. because they will get known, they will get spotted and they will get banned out of there. So creating like a social network around you mm-hmm. um, in a way or like, like if you're gonna like if you if you're like I don't know if you're on Tinder and you're like this guy that claims to be like Mr. Gray, mm-hmm. like if you're gonna go on a date with him, like can you go on a couple date with he and me and his friend, or like can you do like can you like go to a picnic? I don't know, like with him and his friends. Does he have a social community around him? Can he talk about his sexuality in front of other people? And maybe this is like it's a lot to ask. Sure. Someone that claims to be very experienced, like me being into this for 20 years plus, I have no problems talking about this in front of my friends or my parents or anyone I meet right. because I have the language and the way to kind of express myself around it so I feel comfortable. Sure. Um, so if you meet this guy who claims to be Mr. Gray on Tinder, like then he should also have a social network. He has should have a bunch of friends that you can kind of hang out with and get to know him through. Sure. Um, if someone says that they are 25 year old, a little bit conscious about spanking or like wrestling in the bedroom, then like, hey, do do they like live up to this kind of young guy just getting to know his sexuality and they're willing to go slow and explore together? Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's the stronger point uh, for people who are new to it and looking for or finding someone else who's new is are you both willing to communicate and have the conversation and go, okay, there's a whole lot of options on this table. We're going to pick the first one only. And we're mm. going to hang out with the first one only and, and go really slow and go really light. I think that's a, a great frame for people. Uh, I love the idea too of, of there's the lone wolf is often not safe, period. Be that the lone wolf female or the lone wolf male. Uh, there's some there's some common sense, let's call them red flags that should pop up, uh, especially if someone claims to be like, I'm an experienced Dom. I, you know, I hear this from women all the time. Like, I, I met some guy, he claimed to be an experienced Dom. You know what? I, this is, I'll just throw this out. This came up, Andy, or just popped in my head. I can't tell you how many women have reached out and said, yeah, I met this guy, claimed to be an experienced Dom, got him in the bedroom, and he wanted me to dominate him. Yeah. Like, what? What? Why didn't he just bring that up from the beginning? Uh, we, yeah. That's a wormhole. We'll, we maybe have to do this conversation again and dive down. But um, yeah. for people who are interested, Andy, in finding out more about you, your work, your workshops, or working with you, where are you hanging out? Where can people find you? What's the best place to go? I mean, my webpage, always. It's on the buru.se. Um, and there's a newsletter. 
Um, then like I have this automatic system that continuously pushes out little like links on different social media, like on Instagram and on Twitter, on Facebook. But it's kind of like secondary. I don't focus very much on being in stories and stuff like that. Like I'm kind of old school blog <laughs> person. Um, so like, of course, if you follow me on any social media, you will get a little notification that something happened. But if you want to have like the full story that get published, like the same day it's published, I write like a thousand words every week and record it like as an audio then and videos and stuff like that. I mean, then you should be on the web page on the mail list because I think that's the way to go. Awesome. So you guys listen to this, go check out his website, get on the mailing list. There's a very interesting man who's willing to talk about things that a lot of people aren't but talk about them with experience and intelligence and nuance. So Andy, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your time and also just the influence you've had on my life, both in the bedroom and out of it. So I appreciate you, brother. Cheers. Thank you. Yes, maybe I'd like to pick up on a small thread that sure. you said. I think like a topic, since you have a, such a big male following in a way, I would say that would be on like men that want to be submissive. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have it. Super interesting to talk yeah, about. Yeah, are you you want to come? Are you willing to come back and have that conversation? That is not my world at all. Uh, yeah. So I, but I would I would imagine there's a whole underserved population that um, that doesn't get spoken to in that way. Yeah, let's let's mm-hmm. let's do a part two sometime and dive into that. Yeah, I had one guess. Needs one short just finished up. Sure, like sure, I did sure. this workshop like a year ago or something, and there is this guy. He's like super handsome he's strong he's just like everything and in the end he he does this sharing in the end of the session he says like i'm actually really submissive but the best way i can express my submissiveness is to pretend to be dominant uh i'm gonna have to wrap my head around that one (laughs) (laughs) what he does he wants to serve women that's what he wants to do he says the best way i can do that is to pretend for you that I'm this handsome, strong alpha man who can dominate you. He says that to women? No, he says that in the workshop as a sharing in the end. Oh, he like, says it to men. Huh. And he says that like, he's like, his biggest desire is to be submissive. That is his sexual drive. That's yeah. what turns him on. Yeah. But it's so fucking hard for him to find a woman to dominate him. Mm. So he goes into a service mode. Mm-hmm. And from this point of serving, he dominates women. Wow. Huh. There's so much nuance to this, right? There's so many like tangles and twists and yeah, we didn't even dive into rope. All right, we, folks, we're going to have Andy back on some other time. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming on, Andy. I love you, brother. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. This is Traver Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.